Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Welcome, and thank you once again for joining us today. So pleased to have you with us. Over the past four weeks in our summer series, we have been looking at the whole theme of strengthening ourselves in the Lord. That as followers of Christ, we have a choice to make whether we strengthen ourselves in the Lord or not, whether we will seek Him, whether we will spend time with Him and see routines and practices and disciplines implemented, I should say, in our daily walk with Him. We've looked at strengthening ourselves in the Lord as a concept, looked at David in Adullam's cave. Then we looked at the power of a thankful and grateful heart. Thirdly, what happens? How do we strengthen ourselves when faith is under fire? And last week we looked at the whole area very briefly of renewing our minds. All of these are available via our website. So today we look to conclude this series by looking at one of the greatest themes in the Bible and especially the New Testament. It is the theme of adoption. I have deliberately and purposefully left this to the end of the series because I believe that in many ways it is the foundation on which so much, if not all, of our Christian walk is built, thus providing us with the opportunity to unpack the broader why of why we need to know Him better, why we need to strengthen ourselves in Him. I was not adopted, but there will be people listening to this online who have been or are adopted and have known the joy of an adopted mum or dad or both. There will be others who have been adopted and will know the pain of this. But as I start, I want to do so by acknowledging that for those hearing this who are adopted, that what is mentioned will resonate with you far more than with those of us who were not adopted. So my prayer, my heartfelt prayer from the outset is that it won't be a cause of or a point of any pain for anyone hearing this, but that God will take what we look at and explore and will speak into our lives in a profound way. I want us to begin by seeing in four places and then of five references in the Bible where the word adoption is used. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 to 8. And it says these words, Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us, the beloved. In him we have redemption, through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavishes on us. Please turn me to Romans 8, verses 15 to 17. And it says these words, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Then just a few verses later, in the same chapter, verses 22 and 23, 
We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, but not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. It's worth noting in those two references in uh, Romans 8 that Romans 8 is talking about it in slightly two different ways. Something that has already happened and something that is going to happen. That we have been adopted, but yet at the same time we are waiting to be adopted. And how this works is, is a good question. Perhaps not something we will, we will unpack today, but we will hold intention. And then Romans 9 verses 4 and 5 says these words. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. And finally, Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. <coughs> there is something beautiful about the idea of adoption that it is impossible to really explain. The sense of being wanted, the sense of being chosen, the sense of being chosen and welcomed into a family. And I know that this is not always the case, Thus the deliberate use of the phrase, the idea of adoption. The idea of someone who is loved and wanted, but for many reasons, both seen and unseen, is offered up for adoption. The idea of someone who is maybe loved, but who has no real home, who has no real family, who is not able to belong for a given and understandable reason. So is offered a family, so is offered a home is offered somewhere to belong by someone who has the power to do so. It is a wonderful, wonderful idea. So often, however, in modern and in particular Western culture, <coughs> adoption has become about making someone happy or content or fulfilled. I don't feel fulfilled or content until I have a child. Whether this be the adopter or the adoptee, therefore, I want us to take a few moments to unpack what adoption meant to the Apostle Paul and then applying it to our lives and into our hearts and see what this means for us today. When Paul wrote to the churches at Ephesus, Galatia and Rome, he was writing to well-established Roman colonies. These three Roman colonies had a very high value on adoption. They had a very high understanding of what happened in the adoptive process. This is what I want us to see today and measure it against or alongside what we perceive as adoption to be in our culture and in our society. For us to understand biblical adoption, we need to know what Paul was talking about. To be adopted into God's family Ephesians 1 verses 5 and 6 is of critical importance to the understanding of this. So before we go into Roman adoption in a more deeper sense in a couple of moments, I want us to read those couple of verses from Ephesians 1 again, because this is the root of where we're at today. 
It says these words, he, de in, he destined us for adoption as his child through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. <clears throat> it tells us a couple of things. It tells us that when we became Christians, that we are chosen. He destined us for adoption. It is not an accident that we are wanted. If you've grown up with a notion that you were an accident or a mistake or a waste of space or even an afterthought, this truth tells us again and again that God has chosen you and me, that God has chosen us and that he loves us. That he offered us life is the most remarkable truth. That we are not a mistake. We are not an accident or an afterthought. I believe that the Bible teaches us that God loves every single person in the world. And he offers a place in his family to all who would respond to him. He has dealt with every barrier that separates us from him and all that want to come into his family. God has issued an offer of adoption for us all. See, the choice is ours, but God has chosen to offer life to us for his own good pleasure. He does it out of an abundant act of grace and not because we deserve it, but because he loves us and he wants us to be part of his family. You may well be thinking, well, I'm not worthy of God's love. And my answer to you is, no, you're not, but don't worry about it. You see, the currency of this adoption is the blood of Jesus Christ. It is not some transaction that has been negotiated somewhere in some black, back, dark alley. It is the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. He offers this price for you and I, and this is the most remarkable currency of all eternity the shed blood of Jesus. Roman adoption was so important that it has been written a lot about by historians. And this idea of Roman adoption has been explored thoroughly down through the centuries. And it is important for us to realize and learn something about it now in the 21st century. So as we go through this, can I encourage us all to listen out for the similarities and the parallels with the teaching that we have in the New Testament about God's process and love and dealings with us. See, the communities that Paul wrote to were communities where slaves had inferior standing and where sons and daughters had an honoured standing. In these communities, adoptions had redemptive value. In other words, adoption took you out of a situation that you could not get out of yourself and it put you into an honored position that you could not get into yourself. The process of adoption liberated people from a place where they were less than equal, where they were second class, where they were inferior and their lives didn't really matter that much. But it brought them into a place where their lives were of equal value to the son or daughter that had been born to the family. Adoption was one of the few ways that a powerless and helpless slave could be free and could become an equal citizen and an heir. 
When they were adopted, they came into what was known as Patria Potestas, the power of the father. This in Roman law was the power of the male head the father to exercise his power over his children and his more remote descendants, whatever their age, as well as over those who had been brought into the family by adoption. It gave those who were adopted a new legal standing that they didn't have before. You see, a slave before was determined by their status, but was also determined by where they stayed in relationship with other people. He is less important than her. She is less important than him. He is not significant as they are. They are not significant as that person over there. A slave had no rights, but only those given to him or her by their owner. But you see, a child, however, was given all the rights of a citizen of Rome, and they became the property of the father. You had to do what you were told, and you couldn't question them. Children in, in Roman law were owned by their father, but on his death, they inherited all his power, all of his prestige, all of his wealth, and his place in society. Adoption was not primarily that the adoptee would be happy in Roman society. Why? Because adoption was only open to those who had no sons to succeed them. See, this is crucial and everything in essence pivots on this reality. Adoption was only open to those who had no sons to succeed them. Adoption was so that the family name could continue. Adoption was that the family name could be passed on to someone else. This was the primary reason. So what does all this mean? Well, we turn to a Roman historian, Justinian, and his writings known as the Justinian Institute. And he lays out for us what happened in the process of a Roman adoption. He writes that the following takes place. <coughs> the person being adopted would come into the room and the father who was doing the adopting would also come into the room and so too would a set of witnesses and they would all congregate in the room together. And the first question was addressed to the father. Do you adopt this person? Do you take them fully to be your responsibility? Are you committed to them? The father would then say yes or no. If he said no, the process stopped. But if he said yes, the process continued. And that person started the process of becoming the legal, legal son and being adopted into the family. The second question was addressed to the person being adopted. It says, are you willing for this to happen? If the person being adopted said yes, then they moved to the third question. But if they said no, the process stopped. Then the judge or the senator would say to everyone else in the room, the witnesses, do you approve of all this and do you recognize this adoption? If they said yes, then it was finally done and completed. If they said no, it was stopped. So the father was asked, do you want this to happen? 
The adoptee was asked the same, and so too were the witnesses. If they all said yes, then that person became a son or a daughter of the person, bringing them into the family. Here is a crucial point. It was impossible to change their status once it had been granted. Once you were adopted, nothing could ever reverse this decision. No court in Rome, no emperor, no one in the Roman Empire had the power to reverse that decision. At that moment, when you were adopted, you utterly and completely were adopted as a child of the new family. Now we move to what happened as a result of this. And we need to allow ourselves again to think about biblical uh, overtures behind us. Firstly, all of your family came with you. Everyone under you becomes part of the adopted family. All your wealth, all that you owed, all that you had became part of the new family. Not just you, but everything about you. Also, the father is never allowed to denounce you. What is amazing in Roman law is that a father was allowed to renounce their birth son or daughter, but they were never allowed to renounce their adopted son or daughter. They could say no to their natural son or daughter, but they could not say no to an adopted child. They could never ever unadopt them, if I can put it like that. So not only do your rights and responsibilities come with you in this law, but all your debts are cancelled. All of the obligations that you had up until this point are removed. Every outstanding charge against you, even in a court of law, is demolished. Because the moment you became adopted, your old person ceases to exist in legal terms. You are no longer that old person. When you take on a new name, a new identity comes with it. Everything from before is gone, good and bad. All debts, commitments, outstanding charges are all cancelled because you are a new person. The adopted person also loses all rights, all standing in their old family, and they are welcomed in the new. You see, in Roman law, you cannot be in two families at once. It is not possible. The new family is now the core of your identity. Now we come to the final stage of Roman adoption, and it is at this stage that the adoptee moves from the patria potestas of their old father to the patria potestas of their new father. They move from the power and the authority of the old and into the power and the authority of the new, completely, utterly, and forever, never to be unadopted, once you are adopted, you are adopted forever. Before we were adopted into God's family, we were slaves. We had no standing. Slaves of sin and fear. And as the Bible says, all that changed, all that changed when we were adopted. There was a time when we had no control over our lives. We were failures, unable to keep God's precept. But the change happened. The old status was true, whether we were happy or unhappy in that state. 
whether we felt on top of the world or not, but we were still slaves before the change. Our status remained and a forensic change was needed to set us free. How we felt back then, how we lived, didn't change anything. We may have been happy slaves, but we were still slaves of sin and fear. We might have been wealthy slaves, but we were still slaves of sin and fear. We might have been content slaves or successful slaves, but nevertheless, we were still slaves. But the moment the change was made and we came into God's family, our status changed from being slaves of sin and fear and according to Hebrews chapter 2, slaves to death. Because these are the three things that hold us in our old state. Sin, fear and death. You see, when Jesus Christ adopts us, when God adopts us through Jesus, we are set free from sin, fear and death. When God says yes to adopting you and I, we are now part of his family. And it is a not a half-hearted yes, because we have seen that the very first question in that court went to the Father. It says, will you adopt Chris Jones? And God says, yes, I will. The second question comes to me. Do you want to be adopted by his, your father? And we have the option to say no. But if we say yes, then the transition begins and we move from the power of our old to the power of our new father. From death to life, from hopelessness to hope, from fear to peace and so much more. Let's ponder and contemplate for a moment for we need to hear this incredible truth time and time and time again. God's only son, his natural son, had to be estranged, had to be separated from his father through the means of the cross before we could be adopted. This is what Roman law stipulated. And of course, the reader is getting all the nuances of this immediately. Remember the conditions of adoption we heard earlier. God has to be in the position where his son is estranged from him in order to adopt us, in order to take us in his family, he has to be estranged from his son. And this is what happened on the cross. Echoes of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And having been estranged from, the, from his son who died on the cross for us, God welcomes us into his family once and for all. And once we are in, he will never throw us out. He will never reject us and he will never force us away. That separation had to take place on the cross. It is amazing to me that I couldn't be adopted if Christ had not first been killed and died on a cross. But because he did, because the price has been paid, the road to sonship and daughtership is opened to anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. But you see, when Christ is welcomed back into the bosom of God after the resurrection, we are welcomed with him. It is not just the son who is welcomed, but we are all welcomed and we can never, ever be estranged from him. There is a little phrase that appears time and time again in Ephesians that says, 
in Christ. <coughs> it means several things in different places, but it first of all means that Christ has done something for me, for you. Christ has made a way for us to come into God's family. But it also means that when God looks at us, he looks at us in Christ, that we are seated with Christ, we are located with Christ, we are somehow covered, enrobed by Jesus himself. God looks at us and sees Jesus. I do not fully understand it. I cannot fully explain it, but I receive God and I give thanks to him for it. You see, we are chosen because Christ is the chosen one. We are brought out of darkness and into the light of our adoption because Jesus plundered darkness and led captives into light. Our debt is paid. Our old life and its allegiances are consumed and subdued by Jesus Christ. God now identifies with us through his son, Jesus Christ. When he sees us, he sees Jesus Christ. When he speaks to us, it's as if he's speaking to Jesus. We are clean and we are free. The Holy Spirit enabled us to step into a, this type of relationship because and through adoption. And he wants it to go deeper and deeper into our lives and affect the very core of our living and being on a daily basis. He wants us to live in it, not just as a past event, but a present reality today, to discover something new every day, what it means to be God's son or God's daughter, to discover the freedom that it brings. It also means that we can address God as Christ addresses his father. This is why Roman 8, Romans 8 says we can address him as Abba Father. This is the way Jesus speaks to his heavenly father. And we too now have that same intimacy. Oh, Abba, Daddy. Some of us really struggle with this idea and this sense of incredible intimacy. And I get it. I understand this too. And some of us struggle with the idea, I don't know if it's a Catholic or a Protestant thing, that God loves us, but not that much. But actually, he does. But it still feels strange for us. For me, I, I get it. I used to struggle with it a little bit. But something just dawned on me a number of years ago. Perhaps makes me more at ease with the intimacy of what we're talking about here. You see, whenever you pray and you say the Lord's Prayer in Welsh, some of you will have heard me say this before, the literal translation of the words, our father, is, or are, I should say, ein tad. And it literally means, our dad, my dad. It is, an, it is the informal, it is the personal, it is the relationship that a son or dad, a son or daughter talks to their normal dad, to their earthly dad, I should say. It is very, very personal. It's my dad who art in heaven. So if Ben and Megan were to speak to me in Welsh when they were a child in those terms, those would, the, would be the term that they would use. Our dad, my dad, terms of familiarity, of affection, or of intimacy. Or when they would just roll their eyes at me, they'd say, oh, dad. But there is that intimacy that goes with it. And that's what Romans 8 is inferring, more perhaps not inferring, actually leading us into that sense of intimacy. 
We are adopted into his family. We don't share in his divinity, but we do share in his intimacy. One writer puts it so well. He says, his torrential grace invokes our torrential praise. His torrential grace invokes our torrential praise. This one idea that we are invited to be adopted in a new and fresh way into God's family is the central idea that Satan wants to destroy. He wants to destroy it in our very core of our being. Satan wants, this, wants every single one of us to think that, nah, that's okay, but that's not really true. He wants us to believe that it's too good to be true. He wants us to reject the notion because we can't cope with the intimacy. And he will draw out into our memories relationship with past parents or natural parents or those who have fulfilled parental roles who have rejected us. And he will see, see, I told you, it's just the same old, same old. They rejected you and so too will God. But I am so pleased to say that it is a lie. It doesn't matter who has rejected us. The Bible says that God takes the orphans and he sets them amongst the families. Friends, it doesn't matter what our past is, what we've done, where we've come from. God wants us to be adopted into his family and to fully embrace what it means. That we are to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. In light of what adoption means, in light of what it meant then and the, the implications for us as it were now, that intimacy, the fact that we can never now be rejected, that he has chosen us, and it's all because of Jesus. I want us to be a people that strengthen ourselves in the Lord with these truths and with these realities as we face all that life throws at us. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.